We hear it often that we are made in the image of God. Now, this is a foundational truth for Christian belief in human life's sanctity and divine origin. But what are the implications of that biblical teaching? Hi, I'm Bob Buchanan, and this is Wisdom 828, where we're dedicated to stamping out spiritual malnutrition one episode at a time. Who are you? Who are so wise? After a bit of a hiatus uh, from producing Wisdom 828, Steve Dian turned to me one day and said, look, it's time that we start our normal bi-weekly schedule, so get to work, Buchanan. Well, it went something like that. Well, over the summer, I was reading some interesting things uh, about the image of God in humanity. Uh, and there is wide-ranging agreement about what it means that humans are created in God's image. Well, it doesn't mean that we look like God because God is spirit and has no physical being, but that God has shared with us certain of his attributes that can be found in him. But God has also not given us something. He hasn't given us attributes like his omniscience, his all wisdom or omnipresence, that he can be in all places at the same time, and so on. All of the omnis belong to God alone. But what God has given us is actually a privilege to enjoy and to use for his glory. Humans are distinct beings from God. We are not emanations of his being, uh, but we are creations of his. God is not dependent on us, but we are definitely dependent on him. God has made us um, unified persons. Now that means that there's no part of our human uh, capacities that are any more or less important than any other part of us. All aspects of our humanity function as a single unit, systemically brought together in a single person. Now, God has given us an outer material body. We can see that in one another, but he's also given us an immaterial inner spirit. God himself is spirit, and he has shared with us uh, uh, some aspects of his nature. So, for example, God has given us a soul which functions for many purposes. We can think, uh, we can feel emotions, uh, we have a will. We experience right and wrong with the aid of our consciences, and we can relate to others. Now sometimes the Bible refers to these functions as coming from our heart, which is essentially the Bible's way of saying this is the human control center where all activity and interaction begins. When the Bible uses the word heart in this way, it's a word that is meant to incorporate all of these human faculties functioning together in one person. When the Psalmist David considered what it meant to be made in God's image, he was amazed. He said, we are fearfully and wonderfully made, and indeed we are. But I want to turn our attention to two words that are repeated in Genesis 1 about the creation of humanity. And here's what Moses recorded. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and, and over all the earth and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So what does that mean for how we live as people made in God's image and in his likeness? Well, these words point to, as I said, a great privilege and also a great purpose. In the ancient world, images and likenesses of rulers and gods were made to remind people that uh, they owed allegiance to that king or to that god. Uh, you may have seen the hum uh, huge image of uh, Pharaoh Ramses II 
carved out of the rock standing at the Luxor Temple in Egypt. This huge statue was meant to remind people that Ramses was lord over that entire region, ruling over all who lived there. His image declared that he was the son of a god and, and he represented that god on earth to all people. And all people owed him their allegiance and their service. But God revealed himself in Genesis as the creator of all things and he didn't ask us to create huge images out of rocks or metals to represent him in the world. In fact, he forbade the creation of any image of himself in the second commandment. But what God did do to send his likeness into the world was to create human beings as male and female, to bear his likeness wherever they went. To be made in God's likeness means that we have the capacity for a relationship with him. The ideal relationship was pictured as a, as a son or a daughter with his or her father. Now you've probably seen this walking down the street sometime in your life, something like a, a young boy about the age of five walking hand in hand with his father. He's dressed like him, he walks like him, he, he loves the things his dad loves, he even cocks his hat in the same way as his dad does. Now we see that and we say, well, that, that little boy is a chip off the old block. Well, this is what it means to be made in God's likeness, that we have this great privilege of relationship with God, our Father, who is our creator. Now the second word, image. Now this is a capacity uh, to relate to the world around us as we carry the likeness of God into it. This is our great purpose, to reflect the likeness of what God is like in our families, our church, our jobs, and in our communities. Furthermore, the privilege of carrying this likeness, this image of God, also speaks of our royal status as God's image bearers. David captured this idea in Psalm 8 when he said, when I look at your heavens and the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you would care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep, all oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, and the fish of the seas. Whatever passes along the paths of the seas, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. So, when you consider what it means for you to be God's image bearer, remember who made you, to whom you belong, and whom you represent in your world. How would a son or daughter of the King of Kings conduct his or her marriage relationship? How would image bearers conduct parenting as representatives of the majestic God? What would your work setting look like knowing the privilege that you have as God's ambassador? Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thanks for joining me and uh, Steve Dion behind the camera. Uh, for Wisdom 828, where we're dedicated to stamping out spiritual malnutrition one episode at a time. You'll be of good cheer.